I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And welcome to Book Off, the literary podcast with a difference. I'm Joe Haddo and will be the ringmaster for this war of the words that'll ensue a little later on. In the red corner, comedian, actor and writer Katie Brand. Hello to you. Hello. And in the blue corner, author Candice Carty-Williams. Welcome. Hi. Lovely to have you both here. Lovely that you've brought your dirty dancing water bottle with you, Katie. Yes. Very on brand. I am always on brand. Uh, on brand. Because it is my name <laughs> and also because I am a, just a commercial powerhouse really is what are. I am. Yes. No, I will never I will never fail to create an opportunity to sell my product. And it's uh, right here in front of us. Well, the thing is, is I bought this merchandise when I went to see the live show of Dirty Dancing in order to write about it for the book. Um, and I, I think I preferred the merchandise to the show um, <laughs> I, in some yeah. respects. Stick that on your no, face. No right disrespect now. to the show, but still, I am a bit of a Dirty Dancing purist when it comes to the film. But I bought this water bottle and it's an ideal size off the merch stand and I love a merch stand and even though I feel slightly ridiculous walking around with a bottle that says keep calm and carry a watermelon <laughs> it's the right size bottle for my handbag and I want to be frugal and not just buy another bottle because I'm slightly embarrassed by this bottle so I'm owning this bottle in, in every way now very good and I think you are and you shouldn't feel embarrassed or any any other emotion about think... it no, okay no. thank you I think you should own it yeah. any other emotion or any, any other, other emotion, emotion. <laughs> feel no emotion <laughs> um, <laughs> it's great to have you here and Candice is great to have you as well and you've been travelling recently haven't you you've been here there and everywhere I think so where have I been where have you seen that I've been <laughs> <laughs> I, I love went it. To Are you on the run? <laughs> I just will not respond. <laughs> where do you think I've been? You tell me where you think I should have been and I'll tell you if it and was right. And I will confirm or deny. <laughs> I thought you'd been off for, you know, into exotic locations. Recently. I went to Jamaica for a bit, but I was with my family and someone was like, that's not a holiday, that's a trip. Very much right. so, right. So yeah, 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 it was very much. I took a trip. You took a trip, family. not a holiday. It's so, not yeah. a holiday, it's an ordeal. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Make the clear definition That's there, why Jay. I don't remember because I've blocked it out. Yeah, of course. <laughs> it's gone. 
<laughs> um, well, look, over the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to have a chat about both of your books. We're also going to um, do the book off. This is where each of you get three minutes to tell us about a book that you absolutely love and you think we should all read. So we'll get to that a bit later on. Candice, if I could come to you first to talk about Queenie. Okay. Uh, because, I mean, it's just it's been everywhere this year. It's yes. been everywhere. You I'm must like be... Myself. <laughs> it's taken a trip not a holiday absolutely um, but you must be thrilled at the reception it's really nice it's really nice um it's thrilling but also it's not something that i'm used to or will ever be used to i don't think because yeah. uh it's just an odd thing when you're just you're kind of like i'm just it's a job isn't it so you just kind of do a job and then people start recognizing you <laughs> and you're like what so i'm kind of like i'm from south london so i'm always sort of braced to fight and so when people are like mm. excuse me i'm like yeah what and then they're like, I really loved your book. And I'm like, oh my God, thank you so much. Um, so it's a really it's a really nice thing. And then you get people who just come up to you and just like ask you questions about it, um, which is kind of, is weird. Just out of the blue? Or just out of the blue. Wow. Just like, just yeah, like on the tube. Just like, why is she so annoying sometimes? And it's like, oh, sorry about, oh, sorry about that. Um, uh, well, oh, we're talking about the book, are we? Right, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice to meet you. Uh, but yeah, it's good. It's all good. And you began to write the book whilst you were working in publishing yes in, in this building no oh was it in this building no i just left this building uh but you did so work I just in this left building i have i worked in this building for two and a half years wow and i love it it's a great time it's a nice yeah. vibe yeah it's news building which is it's a bit weird, isn't it? it's a bit weird i'm at, um what's the, what's his face um what's and i'm not probably not totally rude to say isn't it what's his name rupert murdoch mm-hmm. oh did you meet yeah, him rebecca lose we were in here we were like down here and they came in and they were like oh very nice and we just like <laughs> dirty looks <laughs> It's <laughs> just like three, like like twenty four year olds, just like fuck off. You get off, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Leave us alone. Think of a shit that you're in the building. So, what was his vibe? Just like Mr. Burns. Okay, yeah. right. <laughs> it's, it's quite scrotal these days, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's been going for a long time. (laughs) He invented the scrotal look, I think, didn't he? Yeah, I think it's almost scrotal mogul. (laughs) That's that's the look. It's funny because that was the title of what Succession was going to be before they they couldn't get it through HBO. <laughs> oh god. That's what we should do, insult a man in his own house. Yeah. <laughs> That's the kind of people we are here. I'm just waiting for the microphones to be cut off. Yeah, now exactly. Yeah. Still, you know. Or just the ceiling to fall. <laughs> or something. Someone yeah. to come running in. Jerry Hall to come running in with a baseball bat. Jerry Hall oh is Rupert Murdoch's current Smithers. I tell you what, if we're all not followed home, I tell you honestly, car, we are. I don't, we are we setting ourselves up here, aren't we? As we speak. <laughs> these, these microphones go direct to his office, I think. Um, anyway, well, yes, you, we're, yeah. we are here in the news building recording this. Um, and Great I mentioned your, your dirty dancing uh, bottle, yes, Katie. And, that's, um, and you alluded to the fact that, that that was partly on brand for your book because I carried a watermelon, which is out yes. now. And it's part memoir and part homage to... Dirty Dancing. Yes, it is. Um, yes, it is. Why the obsession? Well, I first saw Dirty Dancing when I was 11, uh, which was in 1990. So that was three years after it came out. And I saw it at home on the telly. And um, I, it just sort of threw everything I thought I knew up in the air. And I had to kind of go and lie in my bed sort of by myself and stare at the ceiling and see where all the bits were going to land, really. <laughs> I had to organise my emotions uh, after having seen Dirty Dancing for the first time at the age of 11. And I just felt very excited and exhilarated and kind of everything was just firing off in my brain. And I felt kind of quite thrilled by it all. Um, and it started a bit of an obsession that started 
lasted about two years. I mean, things being as they were in 1990, obviously you couldn't just stream something because mm. you felt like watching it again. <laughs> you had to sort of sit and wait, essentially, or save up um, or beg for a VHS copy or, or just sort of wait till it's your turn to choose something from Blockbuster Video on a sort of family video night. And that night. only came round every few Ooh, weeks, didn't it? Never, every six months, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> I, sorry, I, I'm too young to know this. Oh, <laughs> so, <laughs> Let me explain a few things to you, Candice, about the way life used to be. She's not endearing herself for winning the book off, is she, with this talk? <laughs> for the gritty kind of upbringing that us Generation Xers, the forgotten generation, I've had to put out it. I understand it. <laughs> <laughs> you understand it in theory. Yeah, yes. yeah exactly. Um, so, uh, yeah, I was a bit thwarted for a while. I just had my own fertile imagination to mm. keep me going. And then it came on again, so I taped it off the TV. And then I'd caught it. I'd caught it in a net. Uh, and it was mine. And then I proceeded to watch it every day for three months until wow. my dad confiscated it for my own well-being. <laughs> and then I found it um, and watched it again in secret uh, every day until I've broke the tape um, and then I kind of would coerce my friends into coming over and I'd act out my favourite scenes from it my favourite dance scenes I should specify um, just some sort of are quite saucy though oh they're very well yes and in fact one of the sexiest seduction scenes of all time in which Baby seduces Johnny Absolutely. Uh, which is also quite a sort of key thing in, in the film I think so I was quite obsessed with it for a long time and and then I sort of lo- I've loved it ever since and I've watched it sporadically and then I recently I became 40 this year um, and my husband said to me, we didn't have a babysitter. We, um, we had sort of plans for my birthday a couple of weeks later. But mm. on the night itself, he said, oh, what do you want to do tonight? So I suddenly, out of the blue, thought, I want to watch Dirty Dancing. Mm. And he sort of went, OK. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and it was funny because then we did just find it on a streaming, you know, on Netflix and, and it was so easy just to sit down and watch it and I thought god this is amazing if I, if I just had this available to me when I was 11 uh, and I sort of as I was watching it it was probably the first time I'd f- watched it in a focused way for mm. quite a long time and I just suddenly thought god this is a really good film like this isn't just a sort of teenage bit of fluffy obsession it's not just a frivolous sort of bit of commercial nonsense there's there's a lot in here Mm. um and i sort of started to realize it had shaped a lot of what i thought about the world about romance about sex about class about Mm. all kinds of things um and so literally within about a week after that i thought i'd like to write a book about this um and then the publisher hq just picked it up very quickly and it kind of just took off so it's all very sudden but i've absolutely loved writing it and and i did have a moment of nerves before i started writing it where i thought have i set something up here that doesn't isn't going to is there enough in this to really write a book about it is there enough in me to really Mm. write a book about this and I did have a slight nervous moment where I thought this book's going to be it's going to be more of a pamphlet Um, (laughs) and then as I started writing I thought god there's just acres and acres of stuff that I can write about in terms of myself and dirty dancing and seeing my teenage years through the prism of dirty dancing and also getting very obsessive and nerdy about dirty dancing itself and that sense of a rite of passage film about a teenage girl about a 72 year old girl who makes all the action happen and takes many brave choices mm. and defies her parents has a moment of reckoning with her own father like all of this stuff you know is is all packed in there and it's really informed how I view the world I think in, mm. in a funny way that two year obsessive window <laughs> 11 to 13 I mean it's quite a formative period for yeah, anyone it is, of course, yeah. so um so yeah so that was what led to me writing this book and I've just had well I literally was about to say involuntarily then the time of my life. <laughs> <laughs> you will not believe that. I know. No, <laughs> no 
one will believe that. When I, oh no! Oh, no, oh that was so set up. It's, it's awful. It's so I know planned. that's it. Now I know. <laughs> I'm never gonna pull that off. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's been it's been a really wonderful experience to revisit it properly and just almost get sort of academic about it. Mm. And also my own memories and awful kind of cringing, embarrassing memories of what a dick I was when yeah. I was a teenager yeah. and and yeah. sort of first sexual experiences and all of that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's been great. But there aren't very many rite of passage films about teenage girls Mm. um and so in that sense even it's quite unusual and quite special i think is there a film like that for you candy i'm just thinking the thing that i used to so when i went to my dad's house he lived really far away and he had two films that i just would watch on repeat one was dance or queen and the other was blue lagoon Mm -hmm. and blue lagoon i watched a million times (laughs) blue lagoon is that daryl hannah no, no, it's um. Oh no, that's splash. Uh, that's splash. That's splash. Uh, it's um. <laughs> sh- strong eyebrows. Is that her name? That's not a name. <laughs> <laughs> She's a wrestler. <laughs> strong eyebrows. Oh. It's um. <laughs> I named my first boy. <laughs> <laughs> What's the plot of the film? What happens? So the plot of the film is there's like a young young boy and a girl. Brooke Shields. Brooke Shields. Oh, Brooke Shields. Okay. Strong eyebrows, Brooke Shields. You're right. <laughs> right no, you know what? I, should, I feel like I should have got that because Thank I think there you. have been entire Simpsons jokes about her having strong eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So in a way, it was a good clue. Um, thanks very much. Uh, the plot is basically a, a young boy and a girl are on a ship. I can't remember how they got there and why they got there. Um, and the ship crashes and they sort of arrive on this island, which is like a deserted desert island, with this older guy who then has to look after them. He dies, which is really sad, because he drinks himself to death, because mm. he finds a barrel of rum also washes the shore, which right. is helpful. Um, and then they just have to grow up and look after each other. Just so, the two of them. Just the two of them on this island. They just grow up and they they like then they figure out like what sex is and they have a kid and stuff. Wow. I know. It's really what, wild. Um, what did you love about it? Uh, I, li- I like the sea. Mm-hmm. So that was really nice, mm. and also just like watching two people just with no like social cues, just be like, <laughs> what do we, what do we become, and just like exploring themselves, figuring things out, not exploring mm. each other. That's not what I like about it, but exploring themselves. Mm. And, and there's the- some like weird voodoo stuff because it actually turns out the island isn't actually deserted. There are these like really scary. Oh, maybe it's actually really racist. I haven't seen it for years, <laughs> but there are these like African voodoo. Oh shit. Okay. Let's move on to Dancehall Queen then. What was it? Did you say it was called Dancehall Queen? What was that about? Dancehall Queen was about a woman who's a a street lender and she's a set in Jamaica and she goes to all of these, um, she's sort of selling drinks outside of these amazing dances and she's watching all of these amazing women go and dance and make loads of money and she's like, wait, what if I could... Do hold this. on hold on a minute <laughs> what if I could do this and so she's like okay so I'm gonna like you know hide myself I'm gonna be the mystery lady and then she like ends up like going head to head with like the main dancer queen mm-hmm. I won't say what happens but I think you can probably guess yeah. <laughs> um, but I think but yeah those two films like really molded my childhood because like my dad doesn't talk so it was just me and those films just like over and <laughs> over company. again for company in I East know, I'm, I'm, what I love did, but, but why did your dad have those two films was it for I'm, you or did you import them into for the me. Okay. they were just his and maybe one day we'll talk about that yes <laughs> maybe that would that could be a pamphlet. is he still around he absolutely is you should absolutely Only in, talk to or physically not in not vocally but kelly's what if they're his two favorite and he's listening going yeah i love that they explored themselves that's true and maybe he's like i love how much she loves them maybe actually i do love her <laughs> <laughs> Like we maybe opened a really rich seam of uh, of like communication between you and your father. Oh, that could be true. Um, Katie, the one thing that 
is interesting about you revisiting Dirty Dancing is that you look at the film's feminist agenda, mm-hmm. which is something that, you know, perhaps many people who've only watched it once or who've only watched it a few times or whatever or watched it when they were younger maybe didn't get on a on a first watch. Yeah, and I think that's fair enough. I don't think mm. it's... I think that's quite good in a way. I quite like that about it, is that it's a well-constructed, very well-written piece of entertainment and it's very entertaining and there's dancing and there's romance and there's sex and there's jeopardy and all of that sort of stuff. So it is a commercial film. I'm not trying to pretend this is some kind of art house <laughs> work, but... Uh, embedded within it and this was the writer Eleanor Bergstein's sort of plan is this very strong um, narrative about female friendships about women helping each other out and very particularly about uh, the termination of an unwanted pregnancy Mm. which Penny Mm. one of the dancers has Um, and many abortion campaigners now literally call Dirty Dancing the gold standard in representing um, pregnancy termination uh, in film because when the film is set in 1963 in the state they're in um, you would still have to have an illegal abortion so it's not safe and Penny does suffer from this and has Mm. to have the attention of a doctor baby the main character's father and but she also recovers and there is and also very clearly says um, I can still have children if I want to and she is there is no doubt that she's going to make a very full recovery so and also there isn't really any judgment around her actions from the other characters there's only support um, there may be kind of concern, but it's not. There's no judgment about the termination itself. There's no sort of question that this is the right and sensible and responsible course of action for Penny, who has got pregnant by someone who is not going to take any form of responsibility, and in fact denies that it's even his. Awful. And so, um, and so, Baby procures this money, then covers for Penny. That's why she has to learn the dance. That's why mm. she meets Johnny, and that's why she has the greatest orgasm of her life. Well, that's great, <laughs> well rewarded, maybe for <laughs> helping a fellow woman that you've just met in, in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I think that that sort of key message of that first of all that termination should be available and safe, um, and that it's only bad if they if they are not safely available to women, mm. but also that that it will not necessarily devastate your entire life that it's not a, it's not a cautionary tale against penny the dancer for having an unwanted pregnancy it's very clear that she'll recover and that she'll get her life back and go on to have children in a planned way as and when she wants to yeah. and it's very very rare that you will see that depiction of a termination in mm. a film i mean I'm, I'm struggling to think of any others really um you know you you sort of think sometimes the temptation is oh she's going to die or she's going to you know or she's going to the punishment will be the filmmakers love to dish out punishments to particularly to female characters you'll often see if a woman is having an affair in a film uh, and she's got kids and she's taking some time out to go and see her lover for whatever reason and they have this great afternoon together usually there'll be some kind of phone call saying one of your kids is in hospital or something you know what I mean there's mm. a there's a sense of mm. punishment and retribution for the female character um, to bring her down a bit and that just really isn't present in this film and mm. I think that's a very important thing um, and the second thing is obviously the protagonist is a 17 year old girl who who takes who, who as I said is not passive ever is always active so she's always creating the action creating the opportunity she's always saying yes to the opportunities she offers to help Penny before she's really understood that she's going to meet she's going to get together with Johnny. So yeah. the first thing that happens is that she helps another woman. Everything yeah. that happens in the film follows from that. So there is there is this sort of understanding, and I think it's very easy... I think this is getting better now, but there's been a long tradition of things that women and girls like, or particularly what 
that teenage girls like is sort of dismissed a bit or just not considered very important it might be nice or successful and they might spend their money on it but it's not necessarily got anything that important in it and then when you look underneath it there is all this very important stuff that's educating young girls about what they may think about something so for a lot of young girls particularly me that would have been the first depiction of a termination of a pregnancy they'd ever seen certainly Mm. it was for me and that's a very powerful now some people may disagree with me about that message but for me I think it's the correct message and it was the one that I took on in my life before I even understood it Um, and what I also think is quite fun is that when you talk about dirty dancing and you mention the abortion people who've seen it will sort of be like oh I completely forgotten there was an abortion in it (laughs) so Eleanor Bersin kind of weaves it in she was asked to take it out they nearly lost they lost a sponsor a huge sponsor over it and which nearly ended the film it nearly did not have a cinematic release because um, this sponsor who made uh, teenage spot treatments um, saw the film said well yes we'll give you the money but only if you take the abortion out and she said well I'm not doing that Mm. Um, and she said in any case I can't take it out because the whole plot follows from this and she later said if you want to put something important and powerful in a film that people are likely going to want to take out you have to make it so intrinsic to the plot that no one no one you can't take it out without making a whole new film but she really stuck to her guns and it very nearly didn't happen because of that so i think that's a really interesting thing and also just on a lighter level things like the romance between johnny and baby i think is a really interesting one in that there's never any messing about between them you know they they kind of they get to work together because they need to learn this dance in order to cover for penny at this hotel and so they get to know each other like that but but once they decide they want to sleep together it's all quite straightforward Mm. and then there's no sense afterwards of like oh has she been is she been a bit sort of cheap not to him anyway you know there's never any sense that she's embarrassed in front of him there's never any sense that he's going to shame her particularly or that she's not cool enough for him or maybe he fancies someone else she never particularly dresses up to impress him she's quite a grumpy forthright person may explain why i identified (laughs) Um, and she doesn't try to soften herself or feminize herself to attract him more she just actually gets more stroppy as the film goes on and so there's a lot of that sort of undercurrent stuff going on that Mm. i think is very useful not just for teenage girls just for teenagers actually I think these are all quite useful messages so from that point of view I think there's a nicely hidden feminist message or just human message in there um, that's that's very well woven into what is just otherwise a brilliantly entertaining film and in your book if we come to it having never seen the film Mm -hmm. Then we get to learn a bit about it, and if we have seen the film, maybe even multiple times, we're going to get something out of it as well. I hope so. Yes, I hope so. If you're coming to read, uh, I carried a watermelon about dirty dancing, and who've never seen dirty dancing, I applaud. Well, I'm grateful because it must mean you really like me. Uh, so I'm very flattered, and I would say do watch the film because, before you read the book. Maybe. Well, you don't have to. I do explain the plot of the film in the introduction for anyone who hasn't seen it or needs reminding. But I also do say watch the film, or if you haven't seen it for a while, watch it again because you, mm. it's really enjoyable um, so yeah I mean, there's lots about me in there as well there's lots of silly stories about me that I hope lots of people can relate to and, and so on so yeah it's, it's all kind of packed tightly in there <laughs> Candice you've been living with Queenie for a lot of this year as I said mm. and um, I wonder if now is the time that you're starting to think about moving on to another book are you writing something are you leaving Queenie behind what's what's happening next with you I can never leave that behind because everyone <laughs> thinks you that wouldn't I'm want to people Was do that about so... women don't they because I wrote oh a novel oh my god and immediately yes I use parts of my life in yeah. her I wrote a book called Brenda Monk is funny about a woman who's a stand-up and just 
you you can use bits of your own life. Anyone who's writing fiction does, but with women particularly, people will obsess about whether she's you. Absolutely obsessed. Do you not think that's the the same for male writers? No, no. Okay, interesting. An, an element of it, but no, it's, there's this kind of sense of surprise that a woman could just entirely invent a fully formed person that's got nothing to do. Someone with Someone actually, with they were like, there's someone was like, so if it's not you, then how did you write that? <laughs> and I was like, oh, because I've got this. I've, I was like, I've got this thing it's called an imagination. <laughs> And so like, I was like, I've got a lot of time at home. So I just thought, like, what would what would certain characters do? And they were like, oh, wow. Oh, that's really interesting. <laughs> Can't believe wow. it. Um, so Can I Leave Her Behind? Probably never. Um, mm. Ever, ever, ever. And also, my hair is quite similar to hers at the moment. And so that means that people are like, oh, my God. You're so-. Um, so that's really... So I just have to smile. I'm not that gracious a person I get so easily irritated um, but I hide it well um, so, you know, <laughs> do really well now thanks so yeah, do yeah. carry on approaching me about it I love it love to talk about it um, and so no but I'm writing novel two and I'm also adapting Queenie for the screen so like Ooh. she's very much at the front of my mind oh at so the she's moment. not going anywhere then no not for no. a really really long time and you're going to play her which is brave given everything <laughs> <laughs> so I can't wait oh. <laughs> I did do I did do um I did do drama at A level. Oh really? <laughs> so you're pitching already? <laughs> no, I could never. I could never. Do you know who I'd see in the lead role? <laughs> she's writing <laughs> to the execs. Like guys, I think. Um, no, but what I have, what I did say was that I just I would like there to be like a scene where like maybe Queenie the the character the person who plays mm. her bumps into me. Yes. And then maybe like Definitely. maybe she says like. Do I know you from somewhere? And I'm like, no, I don't think so. How cool would that be? That would be? be amazing. But what if there was a rip in the space-time continuum and then yeah. she started fading <laughs> from her fingers like oh Michael J. Gosh. Fox? Oh, my and God. And then Dot Brown Dot Brown could come in if you're looking for an ending. <laughs> First episode. Yeah. That's it. Pilot. Done. Um, Actually, Eleanor Bergstein uh, is in the background of one of the shots of Dirty Dancing. Yeah, dancing behind Patrick Swayze oh, um, and Vivian uh, on the in the gazebo. Yes. It's quite, it's, it's, it's a nice little touch, I yeah, thing. just just having someone That's just pass by. And in I the in so. the Paddington film, the first one, I think Michael Bond waves at him from mm. from a cafe, doesn't he? Does as he? he? Yes. Yeah, as, as he first get as Paddington first gets in the taxi and he's looking over London. Michael Bond gives him it's a like little Stan Lee in all the Marvel films. Yes, yeah. exactly that. So you've I got to get that. in. You've so got I've, to get I've in. got to be the Stan, and Stan Lee of my generation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's for TV, is it? It's for TV. Excellent. That's um, really exciting. It's quite exciting. Yeah. How are you finding tackling the, the screenplay? <laughs> How am I finding it? It's 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 a different experience. <laughs> it's a different beast. Um, a lot of no, it's a lot of talking. Um, a lot of me ignoring <laughs> emails, but it's going to be fine. Um, but I'm excited about the casting and the music. They're the two things that I keep like using to like push myself through it's like being on a table and being like are you queenie mm-hmm. are you? and also just getting loads of like good looking people in <laughs> and just looking at them and being like okay yes yeah okay which is not exploitative at all i not am at all. a professional <laughs> yeah i am a professional the um it's a key difference actually between writing a book and writing tv i think and having done both mm. um that the level of if you go writers who go from tv to books are always staggered by the amount of creative freedom that you will get yeah. by comparison in the publishing world. Like, and, yeah. and and you get given an editor and the editor will give you notes and all of that sort of thing. Um, 
but it always feels very author-led in the sense mm. that the the editor is really there to understand what you're trying to write and then help you best realise it. Whereas I always think with TV, it sometimes feels like it's the other way around Absolutely. in that the execs have decided what they need to make the TV show mm. and then they're basically trying to manage you into writing it mm. without you noticing. <laughs> um, and it, it's I think I think it's having gone from t- going from TV to books is a delight, but yeah. I imagine it's extremely hard going from books to TV. Shocking. I just sort of, I just sit and look at my laptop and I'm like, and I keep saying to my laptop, I don't know what to do. I don't, yesterday I was These like, I'm just going to go coming. to sleep. I was just like, I don't know. My brain is just like, shut down. It's yes. just like, go to bed. Yeah. Give me a novel idea. I've done it. <laughs> It's quite new to me six months. This is six months of me just looking at one email and being like, what is that? <laughs> and are you having lots of discussion? Are you going to have, you having lots of meetings about it? So is that the other thing? Because that's, that's the other thing, isn't it, Katie? About TV will break you. So it will many. break you. When you write a novel, so you just sandwiches. get sort of left alone, really, yes. until you deliver it. Yeah. And then, then a bit of the editing process starts. But this, <laughs> this is obviously quite a shock so to the system. Pen? I don't. I really, I just Do you want to come in for a coffee? No. <laughs> No. no, first of all, it's going to cost me money to come and meet you for a coffee. <laughs> you have a salary. I don't know. Oh, Any more coffee? I, like, I was like, guys, I've got a really bad fever. They're like, that's okay, we'll give you some water. Do you dilemma it? like, I just sat there just being like, I don't know what is happening. Wow. But, it, but I did I did get an offer of a lemsip. Good. Well, at nice. least you got that. Yeah. It's good. In, so, in lieu of a fee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or any, any or any, freedom. Any, any freedom. <laughs> any yeah. creative freedom. Or travel expenses. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if, if it continues like it does, when might we expect to see it on the telly? Do Who you knows? know? Who knows? Uh, no, actually, probably, let's say, I would say, like, maybe 2021. 2021 which is okay. when Novel okay. 2 would come. Uh, okay. Let's is there say, a broadcaster? Um, I can't say. Okay. Um, but I'm happy. Watch this space. Watch, watch, this, space. watch this space. Mm-hmm. Indeed. It's exciting. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
Okay, well, it's time for the book off now, okay. uh, where each of you is going to get three minutes to tell us about a book you absolutely love that you think we should all read. Um, first, we're going to decide who goes first and second and who gets honked and who gets rung out. Okay. So, I don't know. What, what, what do they mean? Well, they mean your three minutes is up. Right. So essentially, if you're still talking three minutes, I'm just going to cut you off with okay. one of these. Am so I allowed to start difference? my own timer? You can start your own timer. I think you're the first person in the history of the podcast. Uh, have that you is not gonna... had any stand-ups on before? <laughs> no, that's going to... I expect a red light at a minute and a half. Do you understand me? And then I can start doing my best last joke and wrap it up. <laughs> okay. No, this is this is like a whole new level. Okay, I'm not going to so do, do a timer. You I'm can just, do. I'm no, trust myself. Of course you can. Okay, I am going to do a timer. Of course you can. <laughs> And what's the difference between the honk and the... Absolutely nothing. Oh, just, it's just, you just decide. It's, it's a pure gimmick. Um, okay. But you get to decide, Candice, whether you'd like to be honked or rung. Honked. Absolutely. Mm. Right, honked for you. Which means, Cute. Katie, you get to decide if you go first or second. Oh, I'd like to go first, please. First, yes. get it over with. I'm right, pleased. okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, can I just point out, that does not mean I'm in any way prepared. <laughs> Before we start, just tell us the book that you'd like to talk about. I would like to talk about The Secret Diary of Adrian Mole, age 13 and three quarters. Fantastic. By Sue Townsend. By Sue Townsend. Yeah. Uh, right, three minutes is on the clock then, and it's over to you, Katie Brown. Thank you. Well, I have read Adrian Mole, The Diary of Adrian Mole, the original diary of Adrian Mole, um, probably maybe getting up to a dozen times over the course of my life, and I'm now aged 40, and I probably first read it when I was, well, a lot younger. Uh, and what I love about this book, particularly, the first thing, one of its strengths, is that it will grow with you over time. It will grow with you over the years of your life, so that every time you reread it, you will find more humour, but different jokes. So the old jokes are still fun and funny, and still there, and you will remember laughing at those, perhaps as a teenager, but when you're 40, you will suddenly find a whole load of other jokes. Uh, so suddenly you start relating to his parents rather than to him. Or you kind of have a bit of distance away from Adrian Mole and his pomposity and his ambition and his frustration uh, and his sort of lovelorn kind of protestations to Pandora. Oh, Pandora, I adore you. I implore you, don't ignore me, is one of my favourites of, uh, of the poems, the many awful poems that he writes. And also, as a young, frustrated ambitious, driven, pompous, self-important, obnoxious teenager myself who wanted a career in kind of TV and, and media and all that kind of thing. That sort of strand of the book, uh, which I think sometimes people forget if they haven't read it for a while, which is very funny, of Adrian Mole wanting to get his poetry published and also wanting to constantly submit ideas for sitcoms and programmes and writing to the BBC, uh, relentlessly trying to get these ideas away. Um, suddenly, again, like I say, through your life, you will suddenly find the humour in all of that and the pathos and everything. Um so there's that. There's the fact that it grows with you over the course of your life. It never stops being funny. It's one of the funniest books ever written. Um, and also, you know, we, although I'm loath to say it because it's a bit sort of hack and it's a bit of a trope, it is an extremely funny book by a woman. Uh, by a woman who wrote as a teenage boy uh, and wrote so accurately and perfectly and painfully. And she was an absolute genius, Sue Townsend, in that respect. I mean, uh, unrivaled, really. I mean, if you go back and read it now... Uh, even though you might remember reading it as a youngster and finding it funny, you will be amazed at how much you laugh out loud, even now as an adult uh, reading it. And I think what's lovely about it is that anyone can relate, I think. Most people can relate to, to the, the angst and pain of Adrian Mole as a teenager. I think anyone from Jacob Rees-Mogg to J.K. Rowling to Nigella Lawson to Chris Rock could honestly <laughs> read about... 
Adrian Mole's thwarted ambition in a small town, trying to make the best of his life, trying to make the best of himself, trying to satisfy his need to feel important in this mad, chaotic world, whilst dealing with, you know, his parents going nuts and divorcing and the elderly couple and his first sexual relationships with Pandora, all of this sort of swirl of stuff. It is just, it's a universal experience for everyone as a teenager. Whoa, fantastic. That Thank was you. incredible. That was Can I ask, spot on the money. Have you seen the musical? No, I haven't. As we know, I shun. I, I will shun Just anything. Just one, dude. I will shun a remake. She's going to go buy the merchandise, then. Yeah. Oh, yes. I'll buy, I'll buy a, yeah. a, a bumper tube of pickle cream <laughs> and some black paint. Something. Is it? Have you? Right. I've seen, I've seen it. I okay. love the musical. Um, he's, he's just super posh and it just like... He's changed, posh? It changes the whole thing. Well, the kid who plays him is like super posh and like clips. Really? So it just changes the whole thing. Mm. Oh, no. That yeah. is... That's, that's not how... That, I don't no. want to. I wouldn't ever want to criticise an actor who has to go on stage every day because it's very, very hard, especially Absolutely. a child actor. But still, that's well, he was just chosen. Right? Exactly, yeah, not, yeah, not yeah, his fault. I'm sure. And he's so they're all just they're but just that middle is, class. Well, apart from the dad, that's an interesting yeah. change. Yeah. That does change things. You're right. Mm. Well, I'm not going to see it. <laughs> not going to see and it. And I also love a musical, but no, <laughs> no. she's going to go there at 25 past seven, buy the merch, and, and leave. Get out. Yeah, um, that was a fantastic pitch, and we'll come back. And you've just. I've just remembered so much stuff as you were talking about it of that book that I haven't read in a long time, which I'll talk about in a minute. Mm-hmm. What you had something can to say? Can I change my there. book? Can you change your book? Yeah, I'm going to change my of book. Of course, to you Adrian Knowles. <laughs> 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 I'm going to try and Townsend. Yeah, but that'd be mad, isn't it? If I was, imagine if I legit did that and it was just like, okay, bye everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I want to change it. So Candice has got the stopwatch up and has changed the book. So which one are we going for this before we start? This is very unorthodox. I'm going to talk sl- slowly because I'm scared about not filling the time. So I'm going to talk about Anger Songs and Full Frontal Snogging by Louise Renison. Okie doke. Three minutes on the clock then. Over to you, Candice. Thank you very much. So I read this book when I was maybe 14 and it came in a... You know when you used to get like books in, in magazines? It came in one of those and I was like, well, what's this? And I had like, it was like girl talk or something. And I remember like opening it up and I was on the bus and I was like, oh, okay. And then like quite early into the book, George is like, my name is George Nicholson. I live at like two ugly lane, like ugly town, like uglyville. And I was like, oh my God, she gets me so much. And I was like, okay, cool, because like you know, when you're when you're 14, you're just like, oh my god, yeah, I am I'm really ugly, and I have I have no one to talk to, and all my friends are prettier than me. Um, and the thing I loved about Georgia, as I got through the book, was Georgia's just really funny. And I remember one of the lines in the book is her friend Jazz says to her, Georgia, girls shouldn't be funny, boys don't like funny girls. And I was like, but I want to be a funny girl. And I was like, I don't care if boys like it or not. And so when I was writing Queenie, I was like, okay, think about the books that you loved and things. That you connected with and I was like Georgia Nicholson like she's always going to be with you and also Louise Renison passed away and that was like that I think like the publishing industry and like all of her readers who kind of grew up reading her were like this is a huge huge loss because like she's just the most amazing person who like captures what it is to be a young girl and to be funny and to kind of not understand why boys don't fancy you because they're just trying to do banter all the time um and as I as I moved into sort of like my 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 later teen years and university I was like wow she was right boys really don't 
like funny girls. But I'm going to carry on doing it because that's what I've got. All my friends are so so beautiful. Um, but those books really helped me just to be like, yeah, but who cares? You know, like, you know, you've got to be funny. And also I was like, if Georgia can be funny and be stupid. And then there's like a whole series of books Um they have quite mad names. Knocked out by my Nunga Nungas is one of them. Nunga Nungas are breasts. Um, and I was just like, this woman has basically created like a whole world and a whole language. And Georgia lived in, she lived in Brighton. And I was always at oh, Brighton. I went to university in Brighton, which is another great thing. Um, so I was walking around Brighton being like, oh, okay, this is where Georgia was. This is a haunt. And it is, it was kind of based on Louise Renison's life. And as we said earlier, there's this whole thing about women who write and kind of end up maybe writing bits about themselves and bits about their lives. Mm. And I think you can tell that. And that comes through the book. And so when it came to writing Queenie, I was like, do you know what? If Louise Renison could do this throughout a whole series with this amazing girl who was just so funny and didn't care about boys, but she really did care about boys, then I can kind of do the same thing. And obviously, like, politically, it's different because Queenie is, you know, about, like, identity and blackness, all of those things. But then at the heart of it, she is just kind of, like, funny and selfish. And she's not actually that nice. And I don't think that women have to be nice in fiction or in real life. And so it was important to me. So I'm grateful to her for that book but also grateful that she existed and she taught me through all of her wisdom and and her books that you don't have to be gorgeous you can just be funny or you can be both wow also brilliant yes that was amazing thank you i I didn't want to destroy the protocol of the of the format yes by just jabbering over because you wanted to, you wanted to <laughs> jump in. I don't know if you noticed know, me literally just I nodding. I could feel it. It was like my, nice. I wasn't just nodding my head. I was just my whole body was a kind of spasm of nod. It's really nice. Like, throughout I could that. really feel it. Yeah. I was like, we, yes, I'm doing well. We could both we could both sense it from you, Katie. And you just kept being like, mm, 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 yeah. Mm. I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> Give me Bring the hair. Give me the hair. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it's it's so good because you obviously are you were reacting to a lot of things that Caddish was saying because mm. you totally agreeing with them and you're understanding you know had you have you read that book no but no. I will now yeah. uh, I think there was a TV series or a film made there was it, a film there? and they they changed the they changed the time that's, that's no, why no, it was um, perfect perfect snogging ah uh, yes and it was yeah. directed by Gurinder Chada which is an amazing job of yeah. it. Yes, I remember that. I remember everyone being very enthusiastic about about the film. I will definitely read the book. It sounds great. And yeah, all that stuff about, you know, boys won't fancy you if you're funny. Um, and I, I compounded the fact that I was trying to be funny as a teenager um, with playing the trumpet. Uh, <laughs> that most seductive <laughs> yes. of instruments. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I really thought, God, what can I do about this? I know. I'll take up the trumpet. <laughs> so, but... The one upside to that, I would say, is that I was, I was, I had to play in many wind bands and brass bands as a teenager. Yes, yes, I was hot. Uh, but there aren't many other girls in the in the brass section, and so you do get your pick a little bit. And I, but I do remember sitting next to a boy called Gordon in a Saturday morning wind band, and I made some crack about um, something or other, uh, and he turned to me, and he was a bit older than me, and he went, "She's witty. She's witty." Yeah, she's witty. And I must have been about 12 and I went and got in the car with my dad and I said, um, with some trepidation that you have to ask your parent, mm. you have to check a new word with a parent mm. just before the internet. You won't know about this, Candice, but before the internet, you had to be a bit we careful people, about the words that you checked. And I had a little think and I was just 
I don't know, what does witty mean? And he sort of said, well, it means sort of funny, but in a clever way. And I thought, I will take that. <laughs> and I will take Gordon, my fellow uh, third desk trumpet player. Uh, and uh, so in a way, kind of, yeah, being the only trumpet playing girl and being the kind of so funny, specific. trying to be the funny girl. I know. <laughs> Seriously seductive. But it, he was the first, my fellow trumpet player was the first person who pointed out that I was funny, but in a kind of way that seemed like a compliment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, but being that kind of funny. Good old, old Gordon. Yeah, good old Gordon. Thanks, Where is Gordon. he now? Where is he now? He abandoned me at the concert. Didn't turn up. Oh, and I had to play the lead. I no, oh, I had to play oh, it for you then. Oh. Well, no, I couldn't play it. <laughs> <laughs> it's very exposing. They put the they put the trumpet. It had a fanfare in it. I was used to just playing sort of low, low middle C's just to back up first trumpet. And he didn't turn up. I was suddenly literally that night. And we were on a raised platform with trumpets. <laughs> I cracked every note. <laughs> it was diabolical. So there, Gordon, you know. Oh, Gordon. Like many men in my life, told me I was funny, <laughs> seduced me, and then didn't turn up at the crucial moment. <laughs> but no that was great well, I'm going to be reading that well yeah it's, I've, I have seen that film um, and I've never read the book so now I'm, I'm feeling the same Candice I want to go in and pick that up if I can come back to Adrian Mole very quickly Katie mm. before we wrap up because I love the fact that as I said when you were talking about it it brought back all these really crystal clear memories of it and I think that's the sign of a great book isn't mm. it that for years I haven't read it in years I haven't read it in years here's a bit you'll remember go on do you remember him painting his bedroom black <laughs> and having to go over it and over it and over it but still because it had Noddy on the wallpaper <laughs> underneath the black paint Noddy's bells were still yeah. showing through <laughs> and so he had to get himself a black yes. felt tip pen yes. and spend all night colouring over every bell on Noddy's hat in his bedroom yeah. I mean there's just these moments like that and there's a great bit a very funny bit where he's tried to write about the majestic eagle over the majestic highlands when he goes on holiday with his mum and her new boyfriend and he sends it off to the BBC and I literally have never seen the word majestic used more so many times when you said the Pandora poem I knew it in my head I was sort of reciting it almost and went I mean that's been years Mm. and it's still in there Yes, which just proves that you know the the quality of Sue Townsend's writing and the fact that she was so um, well in, in many ways ahead of her time writing writing that young boy and all those comic layers Mm. Um, and of course now I want to return to it because you've said you get something out of it you do and And you won't you won't be disappointed no and I really want to go and read it again you should reread them yeah, I think I think I might, and I'm going to pick up Angus Thongs and Full Frontal, Full Frontal, Full Frontal Snogging, Snoggings, um, because I I just want to I, I want to get into this mindset because it just sounds fantastic, yeah. and I love that it you know in in some way relates to your writing of Queenie as well, and you were channeling her a little bit and what she did for mm. your own work, and just the fact that as we've just discussed, you know, it made you think, well, you know, I'm going to be fun. I want to be funny. That's yeah. what I'm going to do. Mm. I want bounce and that's how I'm going to be, banter. you know. <laughs> it's all about banter. Well, I think in the, when I went to university, you know, there were lots of guys around and I thought, oh, I'm, this is brilliant. I'm going to seduce all them. Yeah. And again and again. I'm going to get my trumpet out. Yeah. Gonna... <laughs> if all else fails, I've got a trumpet in my rucksack. <laughs> Pretty sure I can remember the last post. Um, but... That'll get them. <laughs> the end of a night. But the... Uh, the... <laughs> But again and again, you know, you make them laugh all night and then they go off with a sort of swishy haired girl who didn't say anything. Uh, And what I thought was, is there something wrong with me? And then I thought, no, I'm just going after the wrong sorts of boys. And Mm. then you sort of end up finding your sort of world. And I went off and did much more comedy and found the funny boys. Mm. Um, And, you know, it's 
then then I was off, so to speak. Uh, yeah. So I did, don't change yourself, change the boys. Quite right, too. <laughs> don't be a conversational fluffer. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, look, I've got to pick a winner because that's the whole, you know, but you've both won because they're both brilliant, both brilliant pitches. It's about the friends we met along the way. And it is really, isn't it? Yeah. And it's about the <laughs> memories of Adrian Mole and it's about the fact that I'm going to go and read a book that I haven't picked up yet. And that's what this is all about. But I don't, I mean, just for the sake of choosing because they were both brilliant. <sighs> I'm I don't gonna, think you have to choose. I'm gonna. T- well, okay. He does have to choose. Does I've got to choose no, something. Don't, don't let him squirrel out of his own format. <laughs> <laughs> she's harsh. She's now. putting you know. She's giving it her all, and you're gonna have to choose. Come on, man up. Do it. Choose. I'm gonna take Louise Renison home. Right. Because I, I see. Feel, oh. I feel like um. It, because, well, partly because I just think everyone loves. Sue Townsend, who's read it, right? Yes. And we know Adrian Mole, and no, maybe yes, this this needs a little bit more. I completely agree. Okay, good. I fully support your decision. <laughs> thank you very I much. Fully support Katie. your decision. <laughs> thank you. And, um, <laughs> At least for the microphone. But, yes, no, I think you're right, and I am. And actually, I'm very pleased that because I would never have. Would, if you hadn't changed your mind and done that, I don't think I would necessarily have ever picked it up and read it because yeah. I think I didn't quite understand what it was. So I think oh. a, it's a good winner because. I, it's sort of introduced me even sitting next to you to a book that I think I would love that it hasn't necessarily occurred to me to read before. That's brilliant. Then. So this is this has been a winning experience all mm-hmm. round, I think. And it's been an absolute pleasure having you both here. Thank you so much for, for joining me Thank and for being part of it. Queenie by Candice Carty-Williams is published by Orion. It's out now. And I Carried a Watermelon by <laughs> Katie Brand is out now, published by HQ. And... Uh, Hey, let's continue this elsewhere, shall we? We've yes. got to get we've got to get out of Rupert Murdoch's house now. Yep, I've got my trumpet in my bag. Got, oh, let's brilliant! Go. Let's go. Let's tell some jokes. <laughs> hey, I've got the last post in. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, guys. It's been a pleasure. When we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.